Welcome to today's podcast. I'm going to have Derek Michu on the podcast today. I am excited and I'm going to welcome him to the show. Welcome to the show, Derek. Thanks for having me, John. Good to be here. Absolute pleasure. So we always start off the uh, episode with a brief biography of where you started and how you got to where you are today and why you chose that. So, um, what I do, I don't know if I'm taking this out of order, but uh, I am a, the owner and um, CEO, if you will, of a podcast production agency called uh, Shelby Row Productions. Um, so this whole thing started back in 2018 uh, when I found Upwork.com, which is a, a, a website for um, entrepreneurs, freelancers, that are looking for work, whether it be through photography or data entry or coding, whatever it may be. So a way to get some work and work from home and work virtually. Uh, I discovered there was a need for audio editing for podcasting, which is something at the time I could handle. And uh, just started down that path, trying to get clients. Uh, and I started growing and uh, it got to a point where not only was I getting tighter on time and, and uh, there's only so many hours in a week to edit, right? Uh, but also um, the clientele that I was starting to get was getting bigger and better in the sense that they needed more than I could offer uh, when it came to graphic design, writing, um, video editing, um, transcriptions, all these different aspects that are very common with podcasting. Uh, and these are things that I just couldn't provide. So decided in uh, 2019 to actually start an LLC called it Shelby Row Productions and started hiring um, to fulfill those needs. Um, and here we are, January 2022, and uh, my business has grown exponentially. I have a team of I think I'm close to 14 now. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, in deep, deep into the industry of podcasting. And it's uh, it's an interesting uh, place to be. For sure. Now, let me ask you something. Did you ever try the whole, uh, you know, go to school to get a good job kind of thing? Or uh, did that sort of not fit you right from the get go? Like, when did so, you know you were an entrepreneur? So uh, I... I didn't know I was an entrepreneur until I found this and really started digging into it. But my history leading up to this was a traveling musician. I was a touring musician for a number of years. Uh, I'm a bass player by trade. I've been playing for over 30 years, but, um, you know, starting in 2000, started to do it professionally. And by that, I mean, I'd play like one gig a month for 50 bucks. <laughs> uh, but as I built that up, eventually I moved to Nashville in 2005 and was a full-time touring uh, musician for several years. Um, and uh, that was my life. And what happens is when you're a musician, if you know, I was very fortunate that I had a chunk of time where it was full-time. You know, I didn't need another job but for the, the far majority of my time as a musician i needed other jobs but what happens is you need flexibility you need to be able to leave for two weeks come home and then have another job waiting for you and it's hard to find those types time, those kinds of jobs you, typically a place hires you and they want you <laughs> they want you there every <laughs> week right so so that's tricky um and even if you don't travel it's key to not work weekends. You can't work Friday, Saturday night because you need to have that space to, in order to play with your band and hopefully make a hundred bucks at the local bar, right? So, uh, so my life turned into side hustles. It was a constant hustle for other work that was flexible and gave me the freedom and space in order to do what I'd wanted to do the most, and which was being a musician. That was my number one priority. Um, so I, I drove for Uber, I drove for Lyft, I've had odd end, you know, um, auto appraisal jobs where I would just take photos of cars that have been in accidents. I've hosted trivia nights in local restaurants. I've, I mean, 
one year I had nine 1099s for taxes. You know, I was, it was, I was a freelancing con- contractor galore. It, it was, it was nutty. So, so up finding Upwork and starting this editing situation for podcasts was just another hustle. It was another, another piece in the bucket, but this is the side hustle that caught fire for me. And it really took off to the point where now it is my only thing. I'm semi-retired from the road. Um, always will be a musician. I plan on getting back in that world too, but um, for the first time, I didn't need it to try to pay bills. You know, I, I, I have my career now in, in this space with my business, um, but that's, that's because I just finally found a hustle that worked for me and caught fire and it became a uh, business. Right. So that makes sense. Now, every business, we have a moment where the we get that aha moment where we realize it's working. We mm-hmm. realize we're in the right fit. Mm-hmm. What was the point that made you go, aha, I am here. This is it. You know, when I when I started the LLC in, in June of 2019, it was still terrifying. I was still taking a big gamble. Uh, what I did know is the need was there that, you know, the the in a year and a half of just being a freelance audio editor was plenty of market research for me. I knew there was an audience. I knew there was a a marketplace. There was a need for this. So I knew that that was key. So I I was like, all right, I can take a chance and and start building off of this. Plus I already had an existing clientele base. So starting a business for me was easier than some because I kind of already had it. Where some you know some situations, some stories you hear out there, someone just has an idea. Next thing you know, they're leasing a kitchen and they're trying to start a restaurant, and that and it's all from scratch. So I already had a little bit of business built up, but where I finally had that aha moment was when I was getting more work because I had the team, and when I was going through the year 2020, which as we all know is you know, the beginning of the, the COVID era of our lives, um, business started growing exponentially and it got to a point where I needed the team. The business outgrew me. So now it, was, it wasn't a matter of needing team members to provide stuff I can't provide. I needed my team members to, to be able to run the business. Like it was bigger than me. I couldn't do it all myself, even if I wanted to. And that was when I was like, ah, okay. This is interesting. Uh, I think I'm here. Uh, people are catching on and 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 enjoying what I have to offer as a team, as a full business. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, and that's ideal where everybody likes to be. So that you know, kudos to you for that. Now, where do you see yourself going from here? Like, what's the future hold what's the plan is there any form of like expansion plans is there more services offered like what do you see going so yes um what what we started last year before i tell you what i want to do this year the story really starts with last year because going into 2020 um the goal for this last year was to also make my company a content generator instead of just managing other people's content, we wanted to break into having our own content. So we started our own podcast called Pod Logics, our Instagram page, a website, uh, well, a better website, YouTube channel, the whole bit. You know, we're pushing all kinds of content out there um, as a way to learn um, for me on the other side of actually how to be a host of a podcast here, I was producing people and coaching them on how to do their podcast, but I wasn't a host. I, I didn't have my own podcast. So we needed to fix that. Um, learn how to best promote and use social media as uh, a true tool on how to promote not only a podcast, but a business, so on and so forth. So coming into this year, um, starting another podcast, another project sponsored by my company, and it's a local community podcast for where I live, which is um, the small little city of Hernando, Mississippi, uh, about 30 minutes south of Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and it's a full production uh, podcast where I'm going to be interviewing local businesses a- as a way to help promote them uh, locally in the community. 
Um, and I have some good connections to hopefully get it all monetized through sponsorships and, um, and in hopes that this starts building up for me in a local marketplace uh, where then because of this podcast, not only it will be monetized, but also I'll be marketing my business ultimately through all of that in hopes to build local clients that want to use my services, therefore, you know, growing my business by, you know, 50%, hopefully. And the ultimate, the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate goal, if not this year, hopefully early next year is I'll actually finally have a studio. I'll have a brick and mortar production place where people can actually walk into (laughs) and record a podcast if they need be. Right. I see what you're saying. Now that's interesting, right? Because I mean, like we've come into a virtual world and most people, well, not most, but a lot of people are looking at things and saying, okay, this is great. I don't have to leave the house. I like this virtual. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of the uh, bummer that they have to go back to work. They're kind yeah. of happy with this hybrid model even. <laughs> um, and your objective is to uh, get the brick and mortar. So that's kind of interesting and funny. And Well, it, it, it's also, it's almost like a studio too, where people can rent time. They want to do a podcast, but they don't have the equipment at home. Um, they can come to the studio, they come to my studio and then I can produce them there. You know, there's a lot of opportunity, a little TV studio, not a TV studio. Like this isn't public access TV here, but a corner with a backdrop and some cameras and some lighting. So someone, if wanted to do a quick video or webinar or whatever they want to produce, you know, this would be, you know, an office studio that would offer those types of things that would, um, give more than, what you and I are able to do in our, in our own homes. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's the goal is to, as be local, have a local business as well, where this community is like, Oh, we need some social media management. We need some media production. I want to do a commercial for my, my restaurant called Eric. That's the goal. Makes sense. And that's actually a good goal. I mean, like, like it's just unique. And I mean, and I, let, let's be clear. I don't think that brick and mortars are going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe the way we're traditionally using them and the way our future is going to be with them may yeah. be different, but they're still here to stay in some form. I think, so. um, yeah, there's so many different things that COVID changed, obviously, uh, you know, spoiler alert, right? Shocker, you know, but, uh, I would gather a lot of businesses realized, wow, like some of our staff are even more productive than they had been because they get to work from home, because they're a little happier, because they have better work-life balance. They're getting better production from certain people. I would gather there's a lot that need that hand holding, uh, but then that weeds out the that weeds out the weak, I guess, if, if you, for lack of better terms, the cr- the cream rises to the top. So then the business can be like, well, wow, we can, we can, you know, leave 50% of our staff working from home. Now we can get a smaller office space and now we're saving money there. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of businesses that are asking those questions of themselves. For sure. Absolutely agree with you on that. So again, this has created more opportunities. You know, you can, in a way you can have the studio, you can have it rented out. You can, there's an expansion point that way. Right. So you can have, uh, eventually you can have somebody full-time editing and working with the person at the studio. You still can work virtually yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, like yeah. That's an opportunity. Yeah. So it's an opportunity to hit more areas. So that, that that's great. And, that, and it's good that you have that vision and forward thinking like that. Cause a lot of times people react and I think it's more important to be proactive than reactive. Absolutely. You know, um, the minute you just kind of, the minute you just, um, find yourself in autopilot and you're complacent with what you have. The only really place you can go there from there is down because you lose a client. Well, now you're less than than you were a week before I lose a couple more clients. You never know. Trust me, this business is that way. I mean, I have my ups and downs. You just end up having this month where you're like, Oh my God, I had three good paying clients decide to go in-house or, whatever reasons they need to move on from you to huge hit. Well, if you're not always being proactive and always having that system going where you're always trying to get new clients, um, that can be detrimental to your business. You can, you could, if you're not acting, then you could accidentally fall into a position where now you're, you can't react. You're out. 
you're, you're bankrupt, <laughs> you know, so you got to always stay on top of it. Um, and, uh, if you don't put some kind of goals in front of you to work towards, then you have no target to aim for, you know, um, a lot of businesses are some of the, uh, I guess, better run businesses. I don't know. The typical business is, you know, fourth quarter, they, they get their whole team together and they put the next year's plans all in place. And it's very detailed goals and extrapolate down to daily goals that ultimately meet the big picture to the end year goals. And, I don't get all crazy detailed like that, but I always have at least three or four things that I would love to accomplish in a year. Um, the biggest one is the one I just told you as far as, you know, what I'm producing here locally uh, for this new podcast and what it could do for me and my business and everything. That's, that's 2021, almost said 2021. It's 2022, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what this year is for. So um but yeah, it, it also keeps you invigorated. If you're always trying new ideas and doing different things and, and trying to grow and move forward, uh, it just keeps you interested too. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So now, obviously, we all go through challenges, mm-hmm. especially growing the business. So my question to you is, what was your biggest challenge when you began? Learning how to be a business owner. <laughs> You know, I had never done this before. You know, my whole story leading up to it was, in a way, I was an entrepreneur because I was a bass player for hire. I was a contractor. You know, my entire music business, my music career was all W-9. You know, it was only up and up, paid my taxes, you know, earned an honest living. Uh, but I was a hired gun, as they call it. But at the end of the day, I couldn't do it unless I was hired by a band leader or a band. I'm not a songwriter. I'm not a singer. I'm just a bass player. Not to downplay that, but I'm not starting a ba- I'm not starting a band on my own. So I was still beholden to needing uh, to be hired. Well, when I started doing the hiring, <laughs> it was a whole new ball game for me. It was brand new. You know, I mean, I didn't just kind of learn as I go and, and learn the different ways to not only run a business but be a leader too and try to and try to lead people um that was that was the big one and it took a few months for me to finally find a groove um but uh but i would say the the last four months of last year was was my first kind of trying moment where business got slow cash flow dwindles uh you know you start needing to look at lines of credit from a bank or any kind of loan to help float payroll stress on meeting payroll. You know, I got, I was really lucky out of the gate. It was all up, 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 just grew, 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 grew. And then, you know, yeah, the, the trend is like shark teeth. You have your ups and your downs. That's just absolute normal um, graphs for business. I mean, no business just only grows. There's always loss in there. And then you grow again. Um, I had my first real, you know, downturn, um, like I said, the last four months of last year, things just slowed down for a number of different reasons. I, you know, I think, um, there's more producers out there. I think, uh, uh, when I look at the marketplace, um, the, the kinds of prices people are looking for are lower than what I charge now. Um, and, and then I just had some clients that were really nice clients, good paying clients, but they decided that they wanted to go in a different direction, go in-house, you know, cut some costs, what have you. So it was just that weird time, but um, I can already feel an upswing, upswing starting to happen again. But that was, that was, it was trying, I wasn't in danger of losing my business. You know, I, I was able to work around with it, but psychologically, was was testing me because when you have that moment as the boss you are the owner of the business you're at the top it's hard to not take it personally it's like i'm screwing up what am i doing wrong for this business to not be growing right now so that was a psychological hurdle to get through but you learn from it and now i'm stronger because of it because at the end of the day no it's just part of business you do what you can you do everything you try to do all the right things and promoting and marketing and and sales calls and everything and it's just part of business you're right about that and 
that's the other thing, right? Like going to what you were saying, there's a lot more people out there charging different prices and stuff like that. And they're all trying to compete. And I find it kind of funny that um, people's default to entering a market is always let's lower the price and be cheaper, mm-hmm. which is really ultimately the road to zero. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and I, I've fallen into that trap too, John. Well, I think we all have, especially in the beginning when we're new at it. Yeah. You know, I, I was continually giving myself raises, especially when I went to team and I knew I offered more. I, I increased my packages because now I got payroll to think about. So that helped build that confidence to start charging more. Uh, and But then I hit that area where I felt like I was losing opportunity because of where my my price point was at. So I've done that game where I'm like, all right, well, I'll drop it back down and and I was less confident and would go back and forth and never really truly just stand my ground. And, but now I do now I have, I have my prices. I can stand behind it. I'm confident in it. Um, and what I found is early on when you start raising your prices, what happens is you just get better clients. You know, if you get a, a, a podcast that wants to pay the bare minimum cheap, cheap, cheap per hour, well, they're probably not taking it as seriously as working for a corporation that's looking at a podcast as a major tool of their marketing plan. Those are the people I want to work with. They have the right kinds of budgets. They're coming in with it with the right mindset. They have the money to spend. So those are the people I work with. Um, uh, but it's, it is, it is tricky though, finding the price that works for you and what you can offer because there's so much competition out there and, um, people can go overseas be honest that happens in the editing world too or you know virtual assistants any kind of podcast production in any way you can you go overseas and you're paying five dollars an hour as opposed to 75 an hour you know i mean it's just math at that point but it is what it is you know um but i do okay so for um, sure yeah See, that's the thing. I, 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 this is also one of the things I believe in is like you get what you pay for out there. And, and it's not necessarily just a matter of what's the price, but what are you getting for the price? Now, sometimes the way to combat, you know, declining prices is not to drop your prices, but to offer more value for what they're getting in that price. So yep. it could be additional services. It could be timeline. Like it's always like there's the, the formula of cheaper, better, or faster, right? So you can always find somebody that's willing to do it for nothing. You're going to find co-op students that want to learn and all of a sudden they're going to do something for free so they can make money later. And we really know how that goes, but I mean, they don't know that and they're going to try it just like we all tried stuff. So the better, the best way to combat it is going to be better quality, better options, more value. Like it's all about what perceived value is. What, um, one of my biggest selling points has always been, and it always works. It always enlightens the potential client is where my true value is, is not me. It's us. It's the fact that I'm coming to you as a team. Um, you're getting quality. You're not getting one person that's trying to balance all the different jobs. That's okay. And pretty good at graphic design, video editing, audio editing, and writing. Okay. I have a writer that's and a writer, I have a video editor that is a video editor. That's what he is passionate about. Same with the audio editor. I have a real graphic designer. I have a real web developer that can give you absolute quality, real legit stuff, because that's what they specialize in. Um, and so people appreciate that. But they also feel comfort knowing that there's, there's a system. to. They're hiring me to produce their stuff for them. But they know there's people behind me that's going to get it all done well and on time. They're not that it's scary to some to think, oh, you're going to be the one person doing everything for me. And you have 20 other clients. Are you going to have time for me? That, you know, that's that's the question that some of these big corporations, that's what they care about. Are you going to be able to give me quality, but you're going to be able to give this stuff to me on time. And if you are the one person handling all of it, I'm a little I'm a little sketchy about that, but this guy over here, Derek Mishu and Shelby Road Productions, that's an outfit. That's an agency. That's uh, not only am I going to get quality, but I have security. I know the stuff's going to get done, done well and professionally and on time. Boom. You know, and I've definitely won over some sales calls and got some clients based off of that. That was like what 
set me over the top to whoever else they're interviewing. For sure. And that's the other thing I believe in. It's like, it's like you said, going over the top, it's over delivering. It's, it's knowing what to expect. Now. I also believe that you're not for everybody and everyone's not for you. And what I mean by that is that everyone's at a different stage. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not for the starter who's just, you know, working his full-time job, trying to do something on the side. Maybe there isn't a budget for that for a starter. Maybe a starter has to do regular work. And if it's not up to par, they got to build their name. You know, like everyone's got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the the same thing. Like it, it goes the same as coaches. When you have a coach, if you have a coach and you find out their track history, is that they made $100,000 a year, and you're going, wow, I want to make $100,000 a year. That is fantastic. So that $100,000 coach can help you. But if you got a person who's never made more than hundred grand, and you say, I want you to teach me to make $10 million, how do you suppose you, they're going to do that? How do you suppose they're going to do that when they've never done it for themselves? Absolutely. I mean, the clients I'm getting now, I could not have even come close to even having an opportunity to speak to them two years ago. You know, like I, I wasn't ready for them. Yeah, um, and, and, that's, and that's the point. It's the growth, right? Yeah, it's the growth. And at the time, I was the right producer editor for, like you said, the more beginners, the more hobbyists, if you will. Um, but I sort of, I wanted to continue to grow and and outgrew, again, not to sound negative, but I outgrew some people. It's as simple as that. So to the point where I've had to, you know, have some strong, you know, difficult discussions with clientele that were with me from the very beginning that were still paying beginner rates. And I'd grown to a point where I just wasn't making sense for me to still work for those rates, like, you know, breaking even or maybe even losing a little money after labor. So no one wants to do that. So I had to have some difficult conversations where some people were like, oh, okay, well, we'll start paying this now. And then others were like, well, sorry, this, this is all I got. So I'm going to have to move on to someone else. And it's okay. You know, and you have that confidence to say, you know what, like you said, we're just not a match anymore. You know, we're at different levels. It's okay. It stinks to lose a client, uh, but it is what it is. Absolutely. For sure. I agree with you on that. Now here's, that's the thing, right? How do you, when you realize that, like, it's always a tough conversation and nobody really wants to bring it up. So I'm sure like me, there's been times you've gotten into that and you've held off for a while before you said something because you didn't know what to say or how to say it at that moment. Because you know what, let's face it. If you have a loyal client and somebody has been loyal to you and has been there from day one, you don't really want to just say, Hey, by the way, you don't pay enough because it's sort of like almost not a guilt, at least for me, I wouldn't say it's a guilt, but it's almost like you want to support the people that supported you from the beginning. You don't want to just toss them. So it becomes that hesitation. I'm not sure if you felt that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and like I said, it's a difficult conversation to have. It's not easy. Uh, But when you get to a point where it's purely a professional decision, it's not personal. um, Then you just got to do what you got to do as the business owner. You have to make those tough decisions. I still have people on my client base that are from early on that I haven't touched because let's face it. When you have a client pool, you have rock stars and you have clients that you just manage, right? Like you, (laughs) there's, there's a spectrum of the clients that you have. Uh, And some just click and, and you become build better relationships with. And yeah, like I have, I have one that I have, I haven't talked about money once since the beginning and it's okay because I, I love him. Uh, he's a great client and he's been loyal to me and I'm loyal to him and, and we make things happen. And, and he knows that too. But, um, but when you have a client that is a good client, but you don't have that stronger relationship with, um, and they might probably start asking for more than what the original agreement was, um, then it's time to have that talk. Um, and, and what the key part is, and this, what, this is what brings all the confidence to the table as the, the bot, as the, the company is you have to say to yourself, losing this client is okay. 
it's not detrimental to my business. Um, it's, it's just, it's okay to say bye. If they leave, be comfortable with it. And then you can go in with all the confidence. You have all the leverage at that point because you can ask exactly for what you need. And if they say, sorry, I can't do that. You're ready for that. You're going to get, it's like, okay, you know, no hard feelings, but you know, take care. Good luck out there. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know what I'm saying? Um, but if, if, if it's like you lose a client and, and it could be detrimental to your living, that's a different business. You know, then you're going to come in timid and you want the raise. You feel like you need it. But man, if you ruffle the feathers wrong and you lose that client and then now you're struggling paying the light bill, that's terrifying. It's a, it's a hard place to be in. It's a harder discussion to have. And quite honestly, when you're in that position, that's why you don't have the conversation. That's why you end up dragging your feet on it because you're afraid to lose anybody. You just, you hang on to every little penny that's coming in possible. Um, But that's not necessarily healthy for your business. You have to understand that it's okay to cut bait, if you will, let go of some things. You might take a little hit but now what's happened is you are opening up your bandwidth and to replace that client with one that's paying scale to what you are charging currently, which could be up to three times as much, you know? Um, And then that's it. Okay, cool. Now you've, you've replaced that one client with something that's, you know, you've basically replaced that one client with three because of the pay scale. So um, it's scary, but with that mindset, and, and having the confidence in yourself, um, that's ultimately those things that you just need to do as a, as a growing business. Right. So you said the basic thing right there. It's the confidence and the growing business, right? Like you can't, you're either dying or growing. You cannot right. grow a business by doing what you did yesterday. Right. That just never happens, right? Like even Microsoft is adapted. They've, uh, they've adapted through acquisitions. They've adapted by dropping products. They've uh, adapted by um, improving products. It's just a natural game. Nothing stays the same. Think of the uh, restaurant industry. They've had to adapt in a big way. Um, you know, the, the, um, the curbside service has been around for a while. You go to an Outback, you can call ahead, and they'll bring it out to the car for you. Go in you know, in the curbside door, you know, and you pick up your to-go order. That's been around for a while, but the mom and pops weren't doing that. You know, the big, big chunk of the restaurant industry out there did not have that infrastructure and they were forced to do that. That was the only way they could survive. Call ahead. We'll make your order. We'll send someone out with a mask and some gloves and we'll bring it to your car and pay over the phone. So we're not handing a card to each other. Uh, and even the little mom and pops had to adjust to that. And then, oh, wow, this actually works. There's a huge marketplace for this. And now it's going to be a standard operation for them. Now everyone's going to have curbside. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I don't even see when this crap, whatever you want to call it, is over. <laughs> I, I don't even see it going back to the way it was. Like even we had short openings and our short openings in between closures hasn't been the same as pre-COVID. Yeah, it's, I mean, people aren't going back to work. Even even before this huge spike here, now people are not working because they're sick and they're home and quarantined. So now, now we have quarantining really messing with the, the, the economy again. But when things were chill for a while there, there was still a huge issue with, you know, staffing. So you go to the restaurant and they're slammed and they're apologizing to you. Sorry, we have only three cooks when we normally have six. We can't get anyone to work, you know, so there's that, you know, adjustment. And it's, yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. Um, One thing I really like is how the QR code has, has, has made a huge growth you go to a restaurant now you just scan a qr code for your menu i love that i think that's great let's keep that you know i agree with you want to keep you know (laughs) i agree with you it's the best part of it like it's i thought it was an amazing thing now don't get me wrong as a business person 
I don't want to do QR codes. I don't want to create that because now all of a sudden I got to reprint everything. I got to redo everything. Mm -hmm. And obviously I don't really want to do that. Yeah. But again, it goes back to what we said. It's about growth. You got to do it because it's a service. It mm -hmm. lightens the load for others. It makes things easier for others. It makes things, you know, more accessible. So it's part of the job. It's part of growing. So again, it goes back to what I said. The, the same thing that everybody doesn't want to do, like go to the gym, update the systems, create their different products, service people differently. We all don't want to do it. The difference is successful people do it anyways. Yeah, right. It's, it's hard work. Yeah. It's hard work. And being a business owner changed my mindset where we've all done it. Man, it must be nice having that money. Well, it must be nice having that big house and big car. But then you become a business owner. It's like, oh, yeah, that person deserves every piece of that because if they they work their tail off, you know, the, business owners, you, you, you have all the risk. You take on all the risk, all the heartache, all the sleepless nights, all the anxiety, um, all the responsibility to make payroll. Um God forbid you actually get successful and can start buying some toys and a nice little house. Yeah. Deserve that. That's, that's part of it, you know, uh, because it's hard work. So a lot of people don't realize that. And I was naive to that too, but you, you, you hear people, Oh, I'd love to start a business and do this, that, and the other thing. Try it. <laughs> Go for well, you it. know what I think of? No. This is what I think of when you're saying this. Uh, the saying that says the grass is greener on the other side, mm -hmm. right? Like this is the way I look at business and maybe you, you might agree with me. You might disagree with me, but this is the way I look at it. I look at investing in a business is the same as investing in stocks. The only difference is when you invest in stocks, you're investing in other people doing the work versus investing a business. You're investing in yourself to do the mm -hmm. work. Yeah. So it's a matter of which one do you trust more? Yeah. And there's exponential growth. There's it's, breaking off the ceiling, you know, back to my story, when I decided to build a team in an agency and an LLC, part of it was to break off the ceiling. Like I was capped earning, my earning potential was capped. My value was still set at a moderate hourly rate. I could only work so many hours. I still wanted some kind of a life. So I was, I hit a ceiling. Simple as that. And I wanted to break through that ceiling. So I started a business with a team and now it's endless growth you know you still have to you still hit little ceilings here and there when you have to start finding like hiring management and because the minute you as the owner feel like you're working 60 hours a week and you're capped out well okay now you need to hire you need to build again uh, because the whole point of being the owner is to have the uh, the bandwidth to do what you need to do without being overworked and always have that bandwidth to continue to grow uh, so you hit these mini ceilings on the way but you have the system and infrastructure in place where it's just a matter of hiring someone new. Okay, cool. Plug them in, give them 20 hours worth of work, move on and then build more, build more, build, build, build. You have that infrastructure, which on the front end is tough to build. It's, it's weird uh, when you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, once you, once you get there and have that aha moment, it's like, okay, now let's just keep being proactive. Like you said, trying to grow, trying to do new things, stay on course and sky's the limit. So like you said, you're investing in something that has that potential to, to grow or you go bankrupt or you, you know, and, and you take that risk, high risk, high reward, but it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. You know, I'm not the daytime, the, the day job kind of person. I can't do it. Uh, I can't, I can't work under the notion that I'm going to make this same pay every week and I'm only going to get like a 1.5% interest or no, not interest, but 1.5 raise every month. It's just, I can't. Hey, do hey wait a minute. 1.5% raise. You got that. You're lucky. Usually they're getting 1%. <laughs> I know. I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's just, it's, yeah. Um, I need to know that there's potential for growth. For, for sure. For sure. And that's why people do entrepreneurship because they they think of the alternative and they can't breathe. Not because it's an easy path. 
because yeah. they, they look at it and say the other way is worse for me because I can't handle it. I can't live with that. Now, I'm going to even go back to what you were saying with the restaurants. Can't get staff. You know, we normally have seven people. Um, they even have problems with servers. And servers get tips, so usually they make them more than the guys in the back. Yep. So And they still can't get them. Yep. Why? Because when this pandemic hit and things closed, now everyone's going to blame all oh, it's because the government handed out money. Now, that may be true for some. But do you think the majority of people that aren't going back, because we got a high un unemployment rate in the way, and when I say not employed because there's no jobs, I mean that people just never went back. Do mm -hmm. you think that many people can afford to not go back because the government handed them $1,500 a month? I mean, let, let's look at reality. Uh, like if you own a home, between taxes mortgage payments utilities you're spending at least 20 to twenty four thousand dollars a year and trust me that government handout does not pay that so how long can you buy time with that government payout before you don't have any more time to buy yeah i don't know you know right. I, think, I think there's a, a spectrum here right um, so where i'm going with this is like where i was going to go with this is i think what ended up happening is you always have a small few that have every excuse to not work and they just found an opportunity to use it. That's yep. those people were going to bound to quit the job, even if we didn't have COVID because they just don't want to work. And that's a small few percentage. And unfortunately they're the ones that get, you know, the podium in terms of attention. What ends up happening is though the majority, I think what happened is they had this time off and they had a time to analyze their life and reevaluate what they're doing. And they decided that, well, I just spent the last six months not doing what I thought I was forced to do to pay my bills. And I found a different way. Yeah. Now I've always talked about building a business. I've always talked about doing something different. I always talked about getting re-educated so I can get a different type of job. So rather than spending the six months doing nothing, why don't I take the steps towards that? And that's what a lot of people did. Now, some of them are doing extremely well, way better than what they did when they were working. Some of them are flopping, but they still don't think they're flopping. Some of them are making the same. So they're saying, if I'm going to make the same, I'd rather make the same doing what I'm doing than to go back. And some of them did give up and go back. So you're going to have a, a variety of those. But the point is that, that, that this created the opportunity for people to say, I've got nothing to lose but try right now. And that's what they did. I mean, for years, yeah. a lot of these people were abused by being paid the lowest possible amount they can possibly get paid and basically being threatened with the ability of not paying their bills as a result of not listening to what they're being told. And now they've been given this opportunity. So they're responding with the years of abuse. Mm -hmm. Now I don't blame the small businesses because you know what it comes down to is not that they woke up and say, how am I going to make uh, Derek's life hard today? It, what ends up happening is I have so many expenses I'm making, you know, X amount of dollars and I can't afford the extra five bucks an hour because I'll go under myself. So it's always that tug of war and trying to find that balance that works for everybody. It's probably why um, there's more podcast producers out there now. <laughs> yeah, for real. It brought, me, brought me more competition. But no, I think you're absolutely right. There, there's no one right answer to that. There's, it's a spectrum. By all means, yes, there's people out there that will take advantage of the system and not want to go back. But yeah, you know, it forced people to kind of look within. What do I want to do? Let's let's change some things up. I was on the other side of that because my business grew expon exponentially because of COVID. I found that uh, a lot of people had the free time to start a podcast. You know, they just had free time to try different new things. I had current clientele double their output, which therefore doubles the revenue from them, right? So, <laughs> so it was it was good for me. It wasn't until 2021, like I said, that I started feeling a pinch. But I would like to think a lot of people started a business or started an entrepreneur or, you know, there might have been some like graphic designers, web developers out there that had that time to really establish themselves and I hope they did. And I hope they're kicking butt, you know, and they don't have to go wait tables anymore. Cause I've been a server before. It's not a fun job. It's just not. Yeah. And you I've know, been I've, the, in the of house uh, cooking yeah, before. I've been a cook. I've done that. It's not fun. It's just, I mean, jobs are hard. 
let's all face it, you know, but like you said, you know, when you're used to making 10, $12 an hour and struggling and just really hating your job and feeling like you have no purpose. And then you give it an opportunity to try to find your purpose and you find it and it works for you. God bless you. You know, yeah. that's, that's the American dream right there. <laughs> for sure. And I believe it is alive. It is alive. I, I think the people who are negative and want to find excuses doesn't matter what you do for them. They're always going to find those excuses. And unfortunately, too many times, those are what's highlighted and what people see. Like the guys that, you know, oh, well, it's nice to have money. You know, if I had the money, I would do that. No, because I can give you a million dollars. You're still going to find a reason. Because if I give you a million bucks and say, go start your dream, you're going to say, only a million? What if I run out? No, you're right. It's mindset. Yeah, absolutely. It starts with mindset. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and 2020 has been the same thing for me. 2020 hit. And in the beginning, I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, I'm in real estate. I'm a real estate agent. And we shut down. What are we going to, uh, what do I do? I'm not going to sell houses. Well, you know, shut down. Right. And they're like, oh, well, we can sell them virtual. Well, when was the last time you spent a half a million dollars or more because you saw a video on the internet? <laughs> right. I, I, there's yeah. going to always be an investor who buys new construction off of paper plans. But how many of them are there in comparison to people who need a home to live in? Yeah, I would. Right? So I, I want. I would want to walk into the house. Right, and I and that's what I say. Yeah. That's the majority. Well, during that shutdown, was there zero sales? I'm, I'm going to say no. There was some sales, but but it might have been twenty percent of the normal. Yeah. Right. So it's not. And, and trust me, with the amount of agents that are out there and the amount of homes that are being sold, twenty percent does not cut it. I can't imagine. Yeah, it's huge. Right. So how did you survive? How did, what happened? Exactly. But that was for two months. But when we started, we thought it was going to be two weeks. You know what I mean? Like, like if I closed it yeah. for two weeks, okay, you know, too bad That's I can't it. travel. Great time for a vacation. 15, right? so, 15 days to stop the spread, right? We yeah, all, yeah. Uh, two years later. <laughs> well, there you go. Now we're in year three. So, but I mean, the point is that for us, it only lasted, it lasted about two months. Mm-hmm. Then we went back to normal. And when I say normal, not that there wasn't any protocols or restrictions or whatever, but normal as in, you know, reality set in and like, okay, we need to show the houses if we want to sell them. There's no, you know, showing a video. It's just not yeah. going to work. So we, even though the office itself may have not opened up, the industry had reopened up yeah. and 2020 was the best year ever. Wow. Um, 2021 was a good year as well. Um, my 2021 was not as good as 2020. Yeah. Um, but it was still really good. But throughout this process, it opened up some realizations. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, prime example, I realized in 2021, look, in 2020, it was great. I was getting all this new business. I was busy as can be. And not that I was slow before, but I wasn't as busy. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly I can't even keep up with the phone. I'm like, I want to turn off my phone just to stop the calls. You know what I mean? Like it was terrible. Good I mean, problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, like it was hard to handle. So 2021 became more miserable, but I noticed there was a change in my attitude. My phone would ring and part of my language, I'd be like, fuck. Right. And well, I'm thinking, now, Wait a minute. now I know I can swear on the show. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the thing, right? Like, is that normal? You get business and your answer is fuck. Yeah. Right. So I thought something's not right here. <laughs> and that's where I opened up my eyes. And that's when I started reevaluating my own business. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then hence the whole just ask John coaching developed from that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still an agent. I'm not giving that up by any stretch. And I still love major parts of the industry. But I learned now is the time for me to build my team. Now is the time for me to venture out and go what's beyond in the future so the coaching obviously is where i'm heading i'm still doing my eight my real estate agents you know duties i'm going to be building a team to handle the stuff that i find overwhelming rather than waking up feeling choked and stressed and then here's the thing you hire someone to help you with that and then you can take on more work right so that's that way that. to that's again it goes back team, to growth man. 
right? Yes. I was the guy, who, you know, here I am preaching, don't do everything on your own. You know, if you have to pay somebody $20 an hour and you're earning 40, you're stupid to do it on your own because you should be getting the $20 an hour person to do it. So you can go out there and make $40 an hour. And what do I do? I jump on the $20 an hour job. So I'm doing the polar opposite of what I've been telling people. So 2021 for me was the eye opener and saying, okay, enough is enough. Yeah. You know, I have a, I have a formula for people that I've heard it. Well, I'm making 40 an hour and I need to pay an editor $20 an hour. Now I'm only making 20 an hour wrong. That is, that is wrong. What you're doing yes. is you're making that $20 in 10 minutes. Because you went from, let's, okay, so in the audio editing world, let's say you get a file and it takes two hours to edit. Well, let's keep it easier. Let's say it's one hour to edit, so it's $40 an hour. So me as the editor, I'd work an hour and make 40 bucks, right? Well, now instead, I pay a guy 20 an hour. I take the 10 minutes or five minutes to send him the files. And then I take five minutes to get the files back from him and send it to the client. So let's say I work 15 minutes. Do you want to make John $40 in an hour or $20 in 15 minutes? If the math tells me that $20 in 15 minutes is really $80 an hour. Yes. That's now your value. That's, that's what you're worth. You're worth $80 an hour, John. Cause that's what you're earning. Right. So, so, so now let's add more work to editor. So now you're making $40 every 15 minutes. And and you build from there and, and people, some people get that. And some people don't, when I tell them that they're still afraid, they feel like they're losing on the very beginning. Yes. At the very beginning, you are losing because now at the end of the day, I'm getting a check for $20 instead of 40, but now you have, you just bought yourself 45 minutes in that hour to get another client and you just keep building and you keep building and keep building. So people, lose that uh, they they don't get that mindset right where yes you're paying someone now and your hourly rate has gone down but do the math do you right. want to make forty dollars in one hour or twenty dollars in 15 minutes give me twenty dollars every 15 minutes all day long you got it now here's another thing right like a lot of things that people don't realize right they're valuing like they're still trying to trade their time for money the problem is that time is something you can't get back. It's, val and, it's absolutely valuable. It's currency. It's right. Valuable. And and I think it's worth more than the dollar value that way. Mm -hmm. So if you had an opportunity to make 20 bucks, even pretend that you're not going to sell any more than that one hour. So you can spend a whole hour for $40, which let's be honest, isn't going to buy you a heck of a lot more. Than with the twenty dollar bill. I mean, a minor stuff. We're talking about a, a minute thing. So, for a minor gain, you'd rather lose forty five minutes of your time to be able to do what you want to do. Yeah. Right. Like, do that over ten hours. Ten hours. You can do that ten hours a day. You're making that's still your two hundred dollars a day, which is what you're going to need. Mm -hmm. And out of that ten hours, fifteen minutes per uh, twenty bucks, like you said. Mm -hmm. So. So that's one hour for $80, like you said. So that's four, eight, that's one. So you can work two and a half hours, have the rest of the day, make the same damn money. Or you can go to work for the $20 an hour, work 10 hours for the same damn money. Yeah. Yeah. It's trade-off. And th so, the, but the, here's the key. What you do with that extra time, that's, that is the make or break. Yes. You so do you want to be like, all right, I'll, I'll take $20 instead of 40 and then spend that extra 45 minutes I just bought for myself to play video games. Well, that's not going to work for your business. What you do is use that 45 minutes to work, build. Let's find a new client. You gain an extra three hours a day now. Use that three hours to get more clients. Yeah. Period. Or even that's following up with your past clients. Well, Let, just, let's yes, be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. Build relationships, but work on. Right, right there, right there. Build relationships. You said it right there. That's where I was going with it. Mm -hmm. Because let, let's be honest. A lot of times people get the sale, send them the invoice and never talk to them again. And then when they go somewhere else, well, what happened? Mm -hmm. Well, they didn't know how to get a hold of you. They never talked to you. You figured you were too busy for them. So they called somebody else. Yeah. But now when you follow up and you build that relationship, 
all of a sudden they're like, I can't avoid Derek or John. They're my buddies. So let me call them because mm -hmm. I know I can rely on them because they can rely on me. Yeah. There is working in your business and on your business. I know this, this seems overly simple, but, um, but if you're making that $40 an hour and you're doing the editing, you're working in your business. Yes. Yes. You're working in it. $20 for 15 minutes and using the rest of the 45 minutes of that hour to work on your business. 100%. See, now look, I am, um, I had a coach in 2020 year, 2021, 2021, 2020 was a good year. And I wanted a coach. So beginning. So for the first, we'll say nine months of 2021, I had a uh, coach as well for, for my, as a real estate agent mm -hmm. and now prime example. So I had it for the nine months now, and we've remained good friends. So yesterday what he sent me a package that had this calendar It had a, um, an umbrella and, and a car wishing me a happy, uh, a happy new year, Merry Christmas, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And where I'm going with that is, so now what has he done by doing that? He's top of mind. He's in my mind now, right? It was beyond the sale. I find that the work comes not when you make the sale, but what you do after the sale. Mm -hmm. That's where the real work comes because anybody can get, you know, 20 bucks out of somebody once. Right, that, that's of no value. Mm -hmm. But if you get them to refer you, get them to call you back, to get them to be top of mind, yeah, that's, that's invaluable. I would gather in the real estate business, that's huge. It's all about that relationship. For sure. And I think that's in most businesses. I just think some businesses have some uh, leeway where they can afford to be uh, sloppy and still get away with it. Well, the service businesses, which you and I are in, that's the very much relationship based. Yes. You know, building a relationship. If you're have a little market, small mom and pop market, you know, selling vegetables and, and fruit and whatnot. Yeah. You're building relationships with the people that come in. You want to treat them right. You want to give them good customer service, but they're buying a product, you know, with, with you and I, they're buying. Not necessarily. Hang on. And, and certain in that instance, they're also buying an experience. Because let's be honest, you can buy fruit anywhere. It doesn't matter. Go to No Frills, go to Walmart, go to Costco. What the heck's the difference? Good point. Now, why do people go to local coffee shops versus a Starbucks? Yeah, relationship. You're right. Good point. <laughs> right? I mean, it's not always the case. Sometimes if you want yeah. something quick, you're just going to go to Starbucks or uh, Tim Hortons or whatever, Dunkin' Donuts, because you just want something mm -hmm. in and out and quick. Mm -hmm. But when you go to meet somebody, you may not want that down and dirty quick. You're going to go to the local spot. Because you're going to have an experience and you're taking your friend or whoever you're meeting for that experience. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And you're wanting to support. Yeah. You're wanting to support another small business, you know, so, which is why the community I live in is tailor made for this project. I want to work on with this podcast because it's, it's a very small city in Northern Mississippi has the small town feel still with tons of mom and pops boutiques and restaurants and coffee shops. And, um, and yet we, we have a Walmart now we have our Kroger or, you know, a main grocery chain, you know, it's, it, we got some fast food places and whatnot, but the mom and pops are still thriving and surviving. Why? Because the community supports it. And, and that's, that's so it. This, this is a great place. So that's why, and it's a great school system. So I'm here for a bunch of different reasons, but um, that's why I knew I can, I can tap into this marketplace and become part of the community. Like I, to go back to how I want to go brick and mortar and everything. I want to be a business in this community. I want to be a part of it too, you know? So, you know, uh, like there's a great ice cream place here called area 51 ice cream which i've already interviewed for this podcast and all the ingredients is locally sourced they go to the local farms for the berries there's a there's a local uh um coffee grinder or maker i forget the term for it but that makes beans and and and, and grinds and makes his own coffee they use that coffee for the coffee flavor ice cream you know what i'm saying like they only stick local to get their stuff and these other stores do all the same thing. They all kind of work together and I want to be a part of that, you know? <laughs> so, um, I get it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just neat to be able to live in here now, 20 minutes North in the Memphis city, Memphis. It's, it's a big city. It's hard to, 
you know, there's mom and pops everywhere that survive, but they're a little more hidden. It's harder to find. It's just a big city. It's easy to get lost into that ocean where, you know, where I live right now is, is really cool to experience true small businesses. Right. I get it. I get it. Now here's another thing, right? Like going to uh, what you were saying here with the, the whole local thing, right? Like everybody's got different reasons for different things. Now, you want to service the local. You want to be one of those locals. And I find too many people get into business and, and they, you know, they're marketing geniuses by uh, self-promotion. And you ask, who's your target market? And what's the typical answer? Everybody, mm-hmm. which is obviously the very first wrong answer. So I even say it to new agents, choose who you're going to deal with. I mean, you can choose to be a smaller fish in a big pond. Or you can be the bigger fish in a small pond. Mm-hmm. Now, either one can work, but one's going to obviously be more expensive. But I find the most successful people try to be the bigger fish in a little pond and then build outwards rather than trying to be everything for everybody. Yes. Like, that was part of my uh, my boom in 2020. My boom in 2020 didn't come because I got to reach more clients and I got to reach the direct user and I was relating to them and I understood them and I knew everything they wanted. It came because I built a niche market. I would say 60% of my business, maybe more now, is agent-to-agent referral where I'm serving a different local market than they are mm-hmm. and they don't want to do the drive. For obvious reasons. So, and, and they want, might not even know the area. So they refer it to me. Mm-hmm. Now they get a referral fee from that. But the point I'm getting at is agent to agent referral represents at least 60% of my business. So yeah. how did I up level oh, my business? I found a different route, a route that most people weren't taking. Yeah. Referral partnerships are great. That's yeah. Key, you know, for sure. Um, but yeah, you mentioned something. Um, I just sent you a comment, by the way. Um, uh, trying to be everything for everybody is a big mistake. It's it's you're spreading yourself thin, uh, and you don't want to be overly broad with what you offer. You want to be niche. You want to be specific. Yes. You know, there was a while where I was trying to also offer the service of editing and producing audiobooks. Totally different beast. That's a totally different animal. And we have done one, you know, we have now that to show proof of our work. I have a guy on the team that can do that, but it's a whole different marketplace. It's a different market. It's a different approach to market that it's a whole different business. So I stopped offering it. It's not, it's not us, you know, and you start narrowing down what it is that you do and then do it really well, kick some serious ass at it. Because another example is I used to, try to fake our way to okay we'll build your podcast we'll manage it we'll develop it we'll do all these things for you but we'll also help market it for you and we'll do your social media and help you grow and get and get more audience and downloads nope it's not us so i have someone i refer them to so it's not saying sorry i can't help you it's like well this isn't us this is the these are the five things we do really well this is what i can do for you this next phase of the podcast, I have a great buddy producer of mine that specializes in that. Let me connect you with him. And now they feel like, okay, we're still being taken care of. Uh, Derek's still giving us a service in the sense of pointing us in the right direction. And I hope it works out for my buddy, Alec, you know, <laughs> and it just relieves pressure off of me. And, and again, it goes back to the confidence, having the confidence and saying, sorry, this is not what we offer. Makes sense. Makes total sense. Now, just to be respectful of your time, I've got two final questions. Sure. One is, what do you suggest or what advice would you have for someone who's deciding to start up their business and get into entrepreneurship? Don't be afraid of failing. Don't be afraid of making a mistake. You're going to make mistakes. You just learn from them. You know, pick yourself back up, lick your wounds, and just and keep moving forward. Believe in yourself. You know, if you if you're starting a business and it's something that you're passionate in, and you feel like there's a need for it, you, the first time you hit a bump in the road doesn't mean it's not going to work. Just go for it. Just keep 
plowing through it and it's going to be stressful. You're going to lose sleep and <laughs> all these other things. But, you know, that's my advice to you. It's a, it's more of a psychological thing. That's the only thing I can really help people with is um, because every business is different and different approach and what they're trying to build and everything. But I think at least for me, and I think for a lot is there's fear involved with starting a business. It's scary to taking a big risk do whatever you can to keep your mindset positive and know, believe in yourself and give it a real shot and go all in on it. Makes sense. And lastly, anybody looking for you, where can they go and find you? So uh, I have a website for the business. It's Shelby And really that's it. That's the hub. From there, you can find my Instagram page, my LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, YouTube channel, podcast, uh, we got price points in there. Um, you can schedule a free 15 minute consultation with me to see if this is something that you'd want to do and work with us for. Uh, it's all there. Shelby Awesome. I want to say thank you very much for being on the podcast. It's been a very good one. Thanks for having me, John. That was fun.